Powered by GoGoat Sports in partnership with TSN, this is episode 43, season 4 of the Rain Breaks Hockey Podcast. It is presented by our title sponsor, Canadian Club Whiskey. We've got ESPN NHL Rules app. Dave Jackson, who's going to join the program, right? Coming up shortly. You know, I... I like that element that those analysts bring to any broadcast. In this case, I think Dave Jackson is excellent. Hey. But, you know, you watch NFL. Okay, there's a quirky call on the field, whatever. They bring in their their rules expert. And whether you like it or not, at least you're getting an official's perspective yeah. and an explanation of what's going on. And I also like, we'll talk to Dave about this, how he engages on social media. And you and I have kind of gone all, all over the place with this. And, and you more than me have settled on why would I bother to respond to anyone because right. it just raises my level of aggravation. So I'm curious to get Dave's take on that because he corrects people's position and takes, even media people, not just hockey fans, but he does it in a, a very accepting and informative way. He's not engaging yeah. in battle. He's just saying, I understand why you feel that way. Here's the right answer, so to speak. So it's well, looking forward I, to the chat. I, he's uh, he's a really sharp guy, of course. Uh, Will, I don't know what he's going to say, but I'm assuming there's a time I called him a jackass or three on, on the ice. Shocking. Uh, yes, shocking. I'm sure there's a time he told me to beat it because that's really Dave's personality on the ice. And so... But what is really cool is we've had a couple of debates, Drake's on the air, like during games where I see a play. Yeah. You know, my job's to make an evaluation. And then while I'm making that, we hear in our ear from the producer, bring in Jacks. And so then Dave comes in and he talks. Now we debated on the air. It's really kind of interesting because it's a, you know, an ex player and an ex official. There's times like I'm just wrong. And so I want to ask him about how many times did a guy argue a call with you? And it was clear the guy didn't know the rule yeah. because it must be all the time. Cause I remember yelling at the linesman one year right. about not just me, our bench yelling in preseason about an offside yeah. and the linesman turned around during the play and goes, they changed the rule. Yeah. And we were like, the whole bench went, we missed that one. <laughs> we had no idea. Yeah. But that's my case in point though. Okay. You and I have had some debates on and off the air over yep. time. And I've also sat with you in situations. You're not much different than me. There's nothing wrong with having a healthy debate, even an argument, right? Yep. You're, you're entitled to your position and your opinion. And in your case, when it comes to hockey, it's an edu educated opinion, an educated analysis. But what you don't like, I don't like, and most people don't like is somebody just saying, no, you're wrong. Well, okay. Well, I guess. I mean, you know, can you I'll explain tell you, to you me? know what really hurts is when Dr when Jax goes, no, you're wrong. And he tells from the rule book and then you go, okay, damn. Yeah. <laughs> Better luck <laughs> next time. Move it along. <laughs> All right. Dave Jackson, rules expert for ESPN is our guest on the Rain Riggs hockey podcast. We'll get to headlines here, Ray, but quick throat punch. And this is my annual throat punch, right? Mm, and it has to I don't do know with about snow this. removal. Has to again? do with snow removal. Again. Again. Yeah, again. How's so your just, front yard? Yeah, not great. And that's part of it. So look, I, I can understand the city's job here. Where my house is, it's right beside a ravine, right? So there's no house to the north of me. So I guess that's the end of the line for the sidewalk clearing from a city perspective. And then it becomes a responsibility of all of my neighbors that are to the south of me. I get that. But you don't have to rip up my front yard in, in clearing. <laughs> 
and then go through the front of my driveway and leave that big pile of snow. So that's that's part of the issue. But my issue more today is with a private snow clearing company. I don't have one. I've got the snow blower. I like it. I enjoy doing it. It's the closest thing for me to a tractor. And there's my Western Canadian route. So I enjoy it four or five times a year. Right across the street from me is an older couple. This guy's had several bouts with cancer. You know, it's it's he's a tough dude. He's hanging in there, but they need to get out on a moment's notice, right? I mean, his wife needs to be able to jump in the car and get out for health reasons, right? right? Uh, at least third time this year. So I'm I'm going to say as we're recording this, it's nine thirty nine Eastern in the morning, eight fifteen a.m. I'm out there. And I've got to quickly clear a pass a hall. You can get out to go to work. And look, I've got a bit of time. So I have no problem going across the street and helping my neighbor out. But she literally comes out to say, hey, do you mind just clearing a path so I can get my car out? You know, Steve hasn't been doing very well. Okay, so if you're the snow clearing company, the private company, mm-hmm. is that one of the first things you ask, right? Is, are, is there anybody sick in your home? Because I've got to make my priority list of calls. I'm starting at five in right. the morning. Do I need to to get to your house? Are you the first 10 stops I need to make? You know, instead, because last time it happened, I helped her out. She had to get to a medical appointment at two in the afternoon and Buddy wasn't even there by 4 p.m. in the afternoon. So whoever it is gets a throat punch from me. Well, yeah, uh, that, <laughs> that that doesn't seem very customer service friendly, that one. Well, they're, I lucky, hope we're, they're lucky. Good for you that you go over there and, well, and help them out. I'm going to tell you a quick little, uh, sort of the same thing. So my uncle, as this was many, many, many years ago before he passed away, the house that they grew up in, he lived in. So my dad and my, my uncle and aunts and grandparents. And so it had a pretty big yard. So they had small house, big yard, like kind of the old style. And so they had this guy who would come and cut the lawns. Right. Once a week, he would come and cut the lawns because my uncle wasn't able to do it anymore. So I'm back for the summer and I was staying in the, like in one of the rooms of the house for a few weeks. Yeah. And I'm in the NHL by this time. <laughs> and so it's like seven o'clock on a Saturday morning and I hear the lawnmower like right outside my, <laughs> uh, my window, seven o'clock. He's pulled the old gas, the old gas mower. Oh, yeah. The thing yeah. sounds like it's an airplane. So I get up. And I feel I'm up now and I, I go outside. I'm like, Hey, Bobby kid's name was Bobby. He was like 25, whatever. Then I go, Hey, Bobby, do you not have somewhere else? It's Saturday morning. Do you not have somewhere else to cut? Like not like outside my window. And he goes, and he goes, well, what do you mean? I go, well, like, do you have, do you do the lawn at Webster school? And he's like, yeah. I go, it's Saturday. Nobody's there. Start there. <laughs> but it never occurred to, to start there. I'm like, there's nobody there. You can cut it at four in the morning if you want. That reminds me of the, and this has nothing to do with your Italian heritage, the Sopranos episode where, what was his name? White Walls there. Paul. Yeah. Uh, where he goes to his mother's house. <laughs> and there's, there's some yard keep that's happening and Buddy chirps him and he, probably mixing stories but doesn't he beat him with a spade <laughs> like, well it could he's happen trying to we, cut the grass we, we didn't get to that we didn't get to that <laughs> all right good stuff hi it's ray ferraro you've probably heard me talking about my friends at north beach agency and craft growth they provide customized marketing solutions tailored to help grow businesses of all sizes 
From results-driven marketing across TV, radio, and podcasts to websites, digital, social, out of home, and everything in between, they have the proven expertise to get the measurable results you need to get your business growing. You can visit craftgrowth.net and book your free business growth consultation now. That's craftgrowth.net. Let's check in on our headlines. And we're going to start with Vegas and the Ottawa Senators, and not because of the magnitude of the trades, although the Vegas Golden Knights moved Shea Weber's contract to the Arizona Coyotes. I mean, not chump change remaining on that deal. Ottawa essentially pays Chicago to take Nikita Zaitsev. And these are trades that matter to those teams because it's setting up for something else. We don't know what something else is. I think we can we can kind of look at what the Vegas Golden Knights are likely going to do, and that's add something of significance, right? They need a forward. So is it Timo Meyer? Could it be Patty Kane? I mean, go down the list of possibilities there. So when you see trades like this happen, I know what my timeline is like. People are like, oh, great, you know, one of these trades. Nobody cares. There's nothing sexy about this. But these are the trades that actually matter because they lead to something else. Yeah, I would say I don't like the trades because I don't think you should be able to move a retired player's contract. Yeah, dead money. And that all goes back to bigger conversation about whether there should be a little exit ramp on the cap. Uh, but that goes into hockey-related revenue. I mean, mm-hmm. man, once you start down this rabbit hole, man, you're you're in it. You're in the weeds deep. And that's... Yeah. Yeah. That's a discussion for Players Association and the league, and it's not going to happen, you know, anytime soon. Um, I, I do, I do find it really interesting that there is an actual analytic cap value yeah. for each of these draft picks. So they didn't just pick a number or didn't pick a draft pick that fourth round pick that went in the Leafs deal that Minnesota got. Mm-hmm. They didn't just pick that out of the air and go, oh, yeah, it should be about a fourth round pick there's an analytic of the dollar value and the year of the mm-hmm. draft yeah. it's like it's really quite detailed and there probably was a time when a few teams were ahead of the game and they could prey upon a team that didn't have that capability to understand what that cap space was worth uh-huh. but those things those dollars matter if you've got cap space you know we hear it all the time weaponize your cap space well if you've got the cap space you can weaponize it you can use it and it, I don't think yeah. it'll be the last one that happens no. between now and, and next Friday. No, and, and look, you know, I talked about it on insider trading on, on Tuesday night. And, and you know, I hope we're not dating the podcast. Well, I kind of hope we are, because if we find out news on Patrick Kane, it may not be a trade. It might be Patty Kane saying, yeah, I know I'm pouring goals in, but I want to be healthy next year. So as of Tuesday, actually, let's forward it a bit. As of yesterday, Wednesday, Kane still hadn't given direction to the Chicago Blackhawks or to his agent, Pat Brisson. I want to be traded or I don't want to be traded. And I'm going to get this thing fixed so that I'm good to go in training camp. So he scores another two goals in that 4-3 comeback for the Chicago Blackhawks over the Dallas Stars. I mean, Dallas has to be reeling, right? They're up 3 nothing, And then Kane and, and Max Domi take over with a pair each. Every goal that this man scores, Ray, if you're in that market for a top end piece and you know we mentioned the potential of of say vegas or could it be the rangers of patrick kane finagling doing cap gymnastics maybe toronto go down the list if you're in that market have you seen enough in the fact that he continues to pour it in the net that you're not worried about the hip you're not worried about any of that i'm all i'm i'm worried about it drags because the story has been there long enough 
that what if it goes wonky in a three days after I make that trade? I yeah. mean, I, I would be worried about it. It doesn't mean I wouldn't do it, right. but I would be worried about it. Uh, you might know this. Say I say Patrick Kane decides, okay, I'll go to team A. Yeah. Can team A do a physical on him? Well, they have access, as you would know, to all of that, that information, right? Right. Uh, so they would be able to, but they wouldn't be able to get their hands on him. That's a good uh, question. I don't have the answer. I don't think so, but I will tell you this. And the reason I, I'm thinking of Jack Eichel and the, yep. and the trade from the Sabres to the Vegas Golden Knights. And I know how involved Pat Brisson was, you know, with permission from Buffalo, obviously, in making sure Vegas had all of the detailed information. Because I know, like, um, this past winter, yeah, um, yeah. there was baseball free agent, Carlos <laughs> Correa, yeah. who signed three contracts because the first two, the physicals came back wrong. And the third one was with Minnesota, which was the team he was with originally, and they ended up with a different contract. Yeah. So I'm just curious that, yeah. that, you know, that would ease my mind if I could at least have my doctor even fly there to take a look at him to do, yeah. but they must be able to get their MRIs sure. and things that they've yeah. done no before. That would be, that would be my only question. Here's the other thing is Chicago can say, you know, we want this price. We want that price, what, whatever it might be. Oh. However, if you've got one team that you're willing to go to, then you got a problem because right. that's going to be all you I'll can do. do if it's, yeah. if it's two. Like if it is the Rangers and Vegas, which would seem to be two teams that I, I would think would be near the top of Kane's list, wow. then, then maybe you can finagle a better deal out of the thing. But man, he sure looked good, didn't he? How, oh, how, about, how about this two nights in a row, Chicago's involved in a goal that happens like at the buzzer, but doesn't count. Kane's in overtime. Right. And then was Tyler Sagan that scored about a half a second too late last night. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's crazy that it could be, and you know, here's, here's the thing without replay drags, those probably both count without replay Yeah, because they're too close to tell. You would have been, yeah, it's in. And yeah, remember yeah. we used to stare up, oh, the green light went oh, on yeah. or the red light went on or yeah. whatever it was. And then the NHL would make sure that the networks aligned, right? Right. The, the network's clock was, was accurate and, and they'd go back on that. So, I mean, the only one who wouldn't have been happy with the outcome of that game would be Kyle Davidson. <laughs> like, he's trying not to win hockey games. So you may want this deal with Patty King going out the door sooner rather than later to get back in the Bedard sweepstakes full, full throttle. Yeah. Those, those point streaks for Arizona and Chicago really yeah. weren't helping much, were they? No. Speaking of, all right, we've talked about this on the pod before. So Jake Chikrin continues to to sit out. You've got Vladdy Gavrikov of the Columbus Blue Jackets, again, continuing to sit. I was going to ask if you're surprised this is allowed, but I mean, those players are property of the Columbus Blue Jackets and the Arizona Coyotes, and they can dress whomever they want. For me, it just throws in the face of, are you dressing your best lineup, which is always strongly encouraged by the National Hockey League? And I know... Teams that are directly involved are pissed off, especially those who are fighting for a playoff spot, either in or out, right? And and they're looking at these teams that are playing Arizona and Columbus and going, well, that's great. They don't have their two top defensemen in the lineup. Or is this much ado about nothing at this No, it's, I think it's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm all in favor of holding a player out for trade protection. Uh, what I'm not in favor of is it's now 
bucking up on two weeks for, for a couple of these guys. I mean, right. I, I think it's ridiculous either, you know, what are you going to do? Hold them out for a month? I guess technically they could. Yeah. Right. And so when does that become too much? When is it too long? When is, when does it just look ridiculous? And also if you're the, if you're the acquiring team, now you're getting a player that hasn't played in three weeks. It's like he's injured. Yeah. Yeah. Now you got to wait for him. Like just, it, it just doesn't feel right. All right. Last one, just a real quick thought, and we'll wrap up headlines here on Tuesday's game. Uh, obviously a tough start, tough period for the Buffalo Sabres against the Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah. But, you know, what an explosion by that newly constructed line of Ryan O'Reilly, Mitch Marner, and John Tavares. So, you know, with the empty netter, Ryan O'Reilly ends up with the hat trick. Mitch Marner is a five-point night. Terrific performance by John Tavares. I mean, you, you got to temper your expectation. You're, you're not going to see anywhere near that game in and game out, but that is a pretty impressive show of chemistry between those three guys. And obviously Buffalo wasn't as ready as they needed to be. No, that was a, uh, that, that was an interesting night because you know that, you know, there's a bunch of Leaf fans that go to the games in Buffalo. Now they can certainly get back over the border with regularity, like, like they could in the past. Uh, um, it's O'Reilly's first game back in Buffalo you know, where he adds a leaf and all yeah. those things fit together. And then they just explode out. You know, he scores two goals really quick. Um, O'Reilly's just good. He's yeah. just, like, his brain is his biggest asset. He just seems to know where to be. And, and I would say that's probably at the top of the list for Tavares as well. It's not yeah. his foot speed. It's not his strength. It's, you know, he's strong on the puck. They're both strong on the puck. They don't really go a hundred miles an hour. Well, they don't go 70 miles an hour. They just kind of get to where they're going. I'm going to say Mitch Marner is a, is he a top three? Well, he's a top five MVP candidate for sure. Yeah. Like there's, there's just no question. He should be a player in consideration for the Selkie, although wingers don't win it very often. He's just had an amazing year, an amazing year. And so if, if you're two really smart players, you get the puck into his hands as much as you can mm -hmm. and then let him do his thing. And man, he's had, they looked pretty damn good. And we'll say, say two things that can be, can be fact. They looked really good. And the third period didn't look very good when they gave up three goals again. Agreed. And so those, like you can, I, I still think there's something that they need. I don't even know what it is, but something they need on the back half of their lineup, the defense and yeah. or another goalie option, or I don't know. It, the defense, I think, is where I'd, I'd target before anywhere else. Well, there's definitely an appetite and they, the assets to do it. So it has to be all in approach for the Toronto Maple Leafs. Those are your headlines. A reminder, our interviews on Rain Dregs this year brought to you by our good pals at Canadian Club Whiskey who are asking, are you over beer? Why not try refreshing CC ginger ale with lime next time you're having a drink or watching a game? All right, pleased to be joined on the Rain Dregs Hockey Podcast by Dave Jackson, who is a rules analyst with ESPN. Rules expert, rules analyst, whatever. More importantly for me, you refed well over 1,500 NHL regular season games, Dave. I mean, go down the resume, the Olympics, all outdoor games, all-star, all of that kind of stuff. How is it, aside from, you know, having the opportunity to work with the great Ray Ferraro and some of the other 
incredible broadcasters at ESPN, did you end up as an analyst? Because I'm thinking that throughout your NHL career, there's probably one or two times where you wanted to reach through the TV and swat us a couple of times for our interpretation of calls or missed calls or any of that. Oh, it's funny you say that because I, first <laughs> off, I like being called a rules analyst Yeah, because when you call me a rules expert, you're putting too much pressure on me. <laughs> okay, way okay. too much. The only rules expert I ever, I've ever known was Ray when he played. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and right but, all uh, the time or seldom? <laughs> yeah. He was never wrong. You just ask him. But no, I, I like to be called a rules analyst. And I pointed out to somebody on Twitter the other day who said, how come you never dump on the referees? And I said, because I get paid to be a rules analyst. I'm not a referee analyst. I explain the rule. I, I try and educate the viewer. I try and tell them, this is the rule. This is, this is how it's applied. This is the interpretation. This is what Toronto, the situation room, or this is what the guys after major Japan, this is what they're looking at. And then I can let Ray and I let the other guys dissect that. And the viewer at home can say whether they made the right call or wrong call, but there's so much negativity out there no. surrounding, surrounding officiating, surrounding the game. I don't need to pile on. So, you know, if I seem like I'm, I'm supporting a bad call, I'm just explaining the rule yeah. and that's how it goes. But you're right. For two years, I sat on my couch, especially during COVID, you know, and I'd be, I'd be losing my mind. And my wife goes, you know, too bad you can't get us get on TV and explain the rule. And I said, you know, I'd be really good at that. Yeah. And then I didn't realize when they put me on TV, I got Ray and I got the producer telling me, you wrap it up. You got about 10 seconds to explain this. <laughs> I'm going like, I'm just making it more confusing than it was to begin with. So that's been a real, you know, steep learning curve for me is how to try and condense two minutes of explanation in about 15 Tricky. seconds. When, yeah. when you're watching stuff, Jackson, and, and uh, so obviously we all think the officials should start it perfect and get better from there. Yeah. Exactly. And of course it's, it's just not possible. Like I saw this great line about that holding call in the Super Bowl, right near the end of the game. Yep. And they said, there's, there's a way to officiate the rule book and officiate the game. And they're two different things. Can you explain that a little bit? Sure. I always explain when I'm talking to young kids at referee school, I said, there's only two things you can control. That's your fitness and that's your knowledge of the rules. The rest, you're at the mercy of what happens. I go, but just because you know the rule book inside out doesn't make you a referee. It makes you very knowledgeable, but not a referee. You have to learn how to massage the rules, how to interpret them. There's so much nuance that goes on. And people on Twitter beat me up. They go, you know, the refs just call whatever they want. You know, why don't they just call the rule as written? Just call it as written. <laughs> and my response to them is, yeah, you're the first guy driving down your street at 51 miles an hour in a 50 zone and get pulled over for speeding. Yeah. And you're one mile an hour over the speed limit and you say to the cop, you know, use some judgment here. Well, you can't have it both ways, right? <laughs> so. Knowing the rules is one thing, but hockey, like somebody asked me yesterday on offside plays, the linesman, if it's really close, do they just let it roll because they know the video can, can fix it? I said, no, they don't. They go with their gut because you don't want to be the guy that's always being overruled. There's a goal scored and every time uh, it's called back and it's that linesman. You don't want to be that guy. Football, they, in football, they might let it roll because you know what the, the downside to letting a roll is? The play's going to go two more seconds, three more seconds. In hockey, you could pen that team in their zone for two and a half minutes finally score and then you're, you're going back and resetting the clock so you know guys go with their gut and hockey like i just said it's a continuous motion type of game so a hook or a trip or a push or a hold 80 feet from the puck where the guy's never getting into the play as long as that's ignored consistently then i think that's a mark of a good referee because we don't want to block away we don't want 100 penalties a game you know how how many players do you think understand the rules to a level that they could argue with you 
And I told Dregs this story. <laughs> I mean, when you were officiating, not now. Yep. I told yep. Dregs this story. When they switched from offside that you you couldn't reload on as opposed to tagging up. It was in the preseason and a play happened and our bench was all over the linesman. And he turned around. He's like, guys, they changed the rule in the summer. And we were like, we didn't know yeah. that. Like, how often would something like that happen? You <laughs> go, yeah, hey, buddy, you just don't have the rule right. I've seen guys lose their mind on an icing, you know, like the goalie be pulled. So the team will fire for the open net and the puck either hits the goalpost and cross the line or it just goes through the crease. And the linesman still calls icing and teams are losing their mind going, that went through the crease. But yeah, but that's been 15 years since we had that rule. Okay. <laughs> but, but you know, guys like yourself, right? You grow up with a rule you play, and then you just, you don't pay attention when these memos come through. It's, it's crazy. And, and you get all kinds of things like that. Uh, puck out of play. I mean, to try and increase scoring, anything out of play now stays inside. Doesn't matter who shoots it, who wants it, unless it's high sticked or batter with the hand out of play, stays inside. Guys lose their minds. Yeah, face off should be outside. Well, no, five years ago maybe, but not now. Hey, Dave, I mean, we're geniuses in studio because we have slow mo, right? And we've got multiple replays yeah. and we can dissect my millimeters, literally. So let's go back to pre video review as an example. Yeah. You know, the days when. You made the call. It was 100% your judgment or your fellow officials. I'm going to guess that you preferred those days. Or do you like the idea that the get it right motto, which is what most officials adhere to, every league says that in pro sports, more or less can be applied now because of you know the addition of video review, which is better. Well, you know what, Ray, I mean, I have to ask you, when you go back to your playing days, do you, your, your most vivid memories that you always remember... Was it when you screwed up or was it a really good play you made? Because I know for officials, we really don't have good plays. Yeah. We have mm -hmm. the calls that define our season, define our career for some guys. Those are what you remember. Right. And I know for me, I could probably, if I thought about it hard, I mean, over 32 years, I probably had half a dozen calls that, you know, cost a team a playoff series, Dude, cost boy. a team a playoff spot, and they were the wrong call. And I think pretty much every one of them could have been rectified with video review we have today. Mm -hmm. So, you know. I mean, look at the wrinkles on this face. I'd probably be good looking now if I hadn't had all those sleepless <laughs> nah, nights. probably not. Probably not. <laughs> but all those sleepless nights that could have been yeah. avoided with video review. But, but on the other side, and I think we were talking about this a while ago, Ray, my first year in the league, like my first game was 1990. Back then you had, I think, Wednesday night TSN and you had Saturday night hockey in Canada. Yeah. And I think that was it. Yeah, You had right. local broadcasts that maybe did some of the games. You do a game in LA in 1991. There's a good chance that no matter what you did, no matter how mad the team was, as long as something happened on, like you happened on Saturday, as long as something happened Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, by the time Toronto got your videotape on Wednesday that was mailed in by the GM, they had so many more fires to put out, no one even looked at it. But now, well, we got 15 HD slow-mo reviews, like you said, Darren, and it's just, it's instantaneous. Yeah. When you make a mistake, you're the last guy to know about it, and everybody else knows right away. You mentioned Los Angeles. You told me a great story about... Uh a call with Wayne Gretzky, which now Gretz never had too many problems with the officials, mainly because the officials and Wayne would be at a respect level that was kind of a little bit different. Uh, one of my first years, he, you know, that was when the, they didn't have the T's for the face-off dots and the old days, right? The rookies had to stand like a frozen rope and the veterans could cheat however they, they wanted. Want. Yep. And so, we were in Edmonton and I was taking a draw against Gretz and which never happened because I usually wasn't allowed on the ice against him. <laughs> and he was cheating so bad. I said to the, to the linesman, 
why don't you just throw the puck in the corner for him and then I won't have to ruin my tape. And the linesman, the linesman looked at me and Grant said, why don't you shut the F up and put your stick down? So I put my stick down and Grant's <laughs> won the draw because he, you know, he was better and he cheated. But there was a level of respect that was always there. However, as the great Bill Burr would say, you and Gretz kind of had a coconut bump, correct? Oh, I mean, so it was, uh, it was a game. There was a huge rivalry with LA and Vancouver in the early nineties. And they met each other in playoffs a lot. And so there was, there'd been some bad blood in Vancouver and now they were playing in, in LA and Andy Van Helman was scheduled to do the game and he had, he had back issues and he, he called Brian Lewis after his game and wherever and said, I, I can't go to LA tomorrow. My back's hurting. So, you know, back then there's no cell phones. You know, you go out for a couple of beers after the game and you walk in your hotel with that red light's flashing on the phone. Bad it's news. It's bad news. It's bad news. <laughs> your, your wife's calling, she's mad at you or it's your boss calling. It's only one of those two options. So, yeah, I pick up the phone and it's Brian Lewis, give me a call. And, you know, I thought my game went pretty good that night in Edmonton and I'm like, oh, I I don't know what he could be upset about. And I call him at two in the morning, his time. And he's like, I already booked your flight. You're flying out of LA. You're doing the Kings tomorrow night. I'd never done the Kings. It was my first year in the league. I'd never met Wayne Gretzky growing up idolizing him like all Canadian kids did. Right. So we're out there on the ice LA forum and, uh, you know, games hard hitting. I should probably never have been in this game as a rookie referee. And there's a massive hit. I believe Jeff Cordenal gets hit and he's just, he's out. He's crawling to the bench on all, all fours. And I, might have been Gino Ojek. He's just, he's rabbing like, come on, get close to the bench because I'm going to take care of this. And he followed the player. I wish I could remember who the player was who made the hit for LA, but he followed him up the ice one time, two times, three times, never jumped him, never hit him, never did anything. Finally, the player had enough. They dropped and they fought. Good fight. And I give five each for fighting. And Trevor Linden and Wayne are at the face off. Never spoken to either man in my life. And I turn to them and I say, listen, we got five each for fighting. And, and Wayne says, well, that's an instigator. He chased him. He left the bench. He chased him. He should be out of the game. And I said, no, it's five years for fighting. And, and Wayne didn't like it. And Wayne said a few things that I think, I think back <laughs> on it, he's testing me. How far can I go with this kid? Sure. And uh, I let him say what he had to say and he turned and skated away. And I figured, well, that didn't go great, but you know, whatever. And I looked at Trevor Linden and said, you got anything, Trevor? And he looks at me, he just goes, almost like my dad. And he goes, if you're going to take that kind of abuse, you won't be in this league next year. And he turns the skates, <laughs> skates away. I'm like, oh my God. Like, you know, so I slink back in the corner now and just, I just want to crawl under like the covers and go to sleep. Like, cause I, he's right. He's right. I probably shouldn't have taken that amount of abuse. And if so, I can interrupt, you're by yourself, right? These are long before the two official days. Absolutely. There's no one, not like veteran rookie out there together and yeah. a rookie, the veteran, you know, you don't have Coho or, or Bill Mercury standing up for you. I mean, you're, you're out there by yourself. And uh, so now I'm in the corner, I'm looking at the linesman, one of your favorites, Scott Driscoll. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> it ain't Cubby or Tubby. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> a lot if you want, but he's in front of the bench and he's not dropping the puck. And I'm just like a moving puck's a referee's best friend. And I'm saying, you know, get the puck down. Come on, Cubby, get the puck down. And you know, he's turned around and he's arguing with someone on the King's bench. And I'm saying to myself, geez, I wish I could do that whole situation over. Like, you know, I would have handled it differently. So I skate over to the bench and lo and behold, he's arguing with Wayne Gretzky about something else. <laughs> probably about me. He's probably telling Cubby how bad I am. And uh, he sees me coming and he says, no one asked for you. Get get the hell out of here, he says. Oh, Maybe boy. not that nice. And I, and I almost blew my shoulder. I was like, boom. <laughs> Before I knew it, I was like, what did I just do? You gave like, him oh, an unsportsmanlike. Gave him an unsportsmanlike. And, and the sinking feeling in my stomach, 
I was saying to myself, this might be my first game in LA. It might be two and one. It might be my first and last ever in LA because the water bottles started coming from the rafters. I mean, they had to stop the game to clean the ice off. That's oh, how bad it was. <laughs> and as I'm skating to the bench, now I'm going like, I mean, I almost, I was almost stopped because I was thinking in my head, I was trying to go, what do I do if he doesn't follow me? Like, this is Wayne Gretzky. I mean, the best player in the game. What if he doesn't follow me? What if he, what if he makes me throw him out of the game? Like, like I'm done. He's like, the oh, thoughts boy. that are just sabotaging my brain here. And I'm slow, going slow, going slow. And I can see his reflection in the mirror, in the glass. He's following me. He gets in the box, sits down. He doesn't say a word. He sits down and I slink over into the corner and the water bottles are just raining down. And I'll never forget it. And I told him this last week, Kelly Rudy comes skidding over to the corner. Never spoke to Kelly in my life, and he took the time to find out my name. I don't know how he did. He goes, Dave, if you think this is bad, I promise you it's going to get worse. But you're going to get through it. You're going to have worse nights than this. We all have them. You're going to get through it. That's the mark of a good referee. Slap me on the butt with his stick, my back to the crease. That stuck with me my entire career. It's going to get worse. And you know what? It's also going to get better. (laughs) Gretz came out of the box, scored the winning goal, and they won an ESPY for the goal. It was a puck went up in the air. He hit it in the net like a baseball bat. (laughs) Oh, that was the game? That was the game. And you know what? The rest of our career, he treated me with respect. He, you know, I can't say enough good things about Wayne Gretzky. He's the face of the game. Greatest player ever, arguably. And, you know, I mean, sure, there were times he didn't like the calls I made, but I think he was testing me. Just testing me and, you know, so good. I didn't get away with it once and not twice, but it was, I tell you what, it was gut-wrenching at the time. <laughs> now, okay, so that, we stumbled across a story, Jax, I don't know if it was a week ago or two weeks ago. Um that was when you were now officiating, I was retired, but it was, there were two officials in the game now. Um, and so it was great. You must've seen this. It was on Twitter. It was that brawl in Edmonton with Atlanta and somehow a player named Mike Bishai from the Oilers was in the Atlanta bench and he was fighting an Atlanta player on the ice from inside the Atlanta bench. It was wild. <laughs> anyway, the game was crazy and, Somehow, oh, I know, in the video, I see Dave's big number eight at the bench. He was talking penalty bench. So I sent him a note. I'm like, hey, did you do this game? I was broadcasting it. Jax, do you want to pick this up? Because I, yeah, think, well, I think this is, of the things we don't ever hear yeah. as fans or media, this is one of the best. And it, it was the great Mick Magoo, one of the great, great characters in the game was your partner. Yeah, Mick one of the greatest characters in the game and every story Mick told was more entertaining than the last time he told it. <laughs> but there were some, I mean, Mick had a gift of gab and a gift of telling stories, but, but on the ice, Mick was no nonsense. He was no nonsense. And he would just, he would just tell players first thing that came to mind and the players loved him for it. And he was just bigger than life, but, and God rest his soul, lost him way too soon. But, but- uh, I believe the Atlanta goalie, starting goalie, got hurt. So now they were down to one goalie. This is before we had the e-bug. There was no emergency backup in the building. So during that altercation, what was there left in the game, right? Six minutes or so? Yeah, it was It was yeah. close right down. It was the, the last, last half quarter. Of the, yeah. Last half of the third, of the third yeah. period, and Atlanta yeah. was getting thumped. Like, they were down five or six goals. And the goaltender that's in nets ends up fighting. And it was it was the second fight in the same stoppage, okay. second or third fight, whatever. And so we tossed the goalie. Now, uh, now Atlanta doesn't have a goaltender. So we, we work everything out. We go over to the bench. Bob Hartley's coaching. And uh, I'm explaining to Bob. I'm like, you know, Bob, you got a couple of choices here. You can play six attackers. 
you can pick anyone in your lineup to go put goalie equipment on and go, go, go get him dressed. Or if you have a third goaltender with you, I mean, you're on the road, but you will let you get the goaltender dressed. <laughs> so Mick comes in and joins the conversation and, and Bob's all mad. He's complaining about the fights, he's complaining about the whole game. I mean, we, we're the reason that he's lost. He's losing by five goals. And uh, he goes, so you're telling me I can dress one of these guys and you're going to give me time to dress him. It's going to take 25, 20 minutes, 25 minutes to dress this guy. And Mick goes, yeah, we're going to do that. He goes, well, you know what I'm doing? I'm going to, I'm going to dress a goalie and I'm going to just stand here and bring up the teams yell at you and everything. And Mick looks at him and Mick goes, you do whatever you want, Bob. We're going to, me and Jackson go sit in the penalty box over there. And we're going to let the fans on TV and the fans <laughs> in the building laugh at you guys because you're down five goals. We skated away. So, oh. so you're hopping across the ice and he waves, he waves, he thinks about it. He goes, we're going to play with six attackers. <laughs> oh, I just, so, I just huh. love that, that, you know, the heat gets so high, yeah. you don't even think, no. right? Like, so Hartley's yelling at you and he's like, oh, I'm taking a half an hour. And you're like, yeah, go ahead. And then he thinks about it for 30 seconds and goes, we just want to get the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah, I think just, I think a couple of his players <laughs> might, might have turned around after that and said, "Really, Bob? <laughs> you know, let's get this going." And so, so we did. And to their credit, or maybe Edmonton's credit as well, I don't think they got a goal, a goal score on them. They played six minutes and they uh, what? they shut well, everything out. I think by that time, everybody was so tired from fighting, they just like, "Let's get the yeah, hell out of here." And I think everybody at Edmonton had a point by that point. So that's a, that's a good point. Yeah. Hey, Jack, <laughs> one last one for me here. You watch the games today. Two officials. There's been such a turnover in the league as fellas like yourself have retired and moved on. Dregs mentioned earlier, 1,500 games plus for you, which is just astounding. When you watch these guys now, do they seem as they come in and now they work some American League games, some NHL games, till they become full-time guys, does it seem harder? And do these guys seem younger than when you started? Or is it just the way it is now? Well, I think it's, I think it's, it's a double-edged sword, Ray. I, I really, I think it's easier in a sense because you're working with a veteran, an established guy. I remember watching games where young guys would come in, and I referenced that earlier, Don Koharski with Billy McCreary. Coach would get on the young referee, and they'd come over to the bench, and they'd tell that coach, you yell at him again, I'm tossing you. Right. And they, you know, so the rookies gain acceptance a little bit quicker, I think, because they're working with the veterans. But on the other hand, a lot of these guys don't have the experience that I had coming up one-man system. Because now even major junior hockey, American League, all that, all that that's all two-man. So a lot of these guys are ex-players, great athletes, great knowledge of the game, and we can teach them the referee. I mean, yeah. if you've got all those tools, we can teach it a referee. But the only thing you can't teach the guy is experience. And we had to figure things out on our own. We didn't have a guy to support us. So I think they're slightly disadvantaged in that. But they're such good athletes and know the game so well that I think they get up to speed quicker than, you know, than we would have back in the day. So all things being equal, it might be a tad tougher for them stepping into the NHL, but I think they catch up pretty quick. All right, Dave, we'll leave it there, man. Look, I mean, your role is a significant one at ESPN because you're informative and you educate. And most importantly, you carry that into social media, which is a cesspool for many of us, <laughs> as you know, but it is important. And, uh, I had no idea. We didn't have uh, social, we didn't have social media when we were on the ice. I know. And all I can say is thank God because it is soul crushing. And if I had to go on the ice <laughs> after reading what people were saying about me, I don't know if I couldn't do the job. Yeah, well, it's uh, you do an amazing job at it. We're lucky to have you at ESPN, Jacks. I I think the people really enjoy the fact that we have 
someone like yourself. Agreed. From the official's point of view, I'll debate you on the air. And man, I can't, I've told so many people how much I've learned about the way an official looks at a play, thinks about a play, yeah. and has to react like that, as opposed to what we all thought as players, like, what are you guys doing? Because yeah. we never had, we never had the depth of conversation that we get to have now. So you do a great job. We're lucky to have you. And thanks for coming on today. This is awesome. I appreciate you guys having me. Thanks, guys. I really enjoyed it. We'd like to raise a glass to the Fine Chronicles series. CC to Dave Jackson for joining us today. Presented by our friends at Canadian Club. Final Chronicles series, the 45-year-old release is now available everywhere. You know, as a TV guy, Ray, I mean, you have history with Dave Jackson that dates back to your playing days as we touched on there. As a TV guy, I'm always impressed at how seamless some guys can transition, right? From whatever their role was in pro sport, be it a coach, a manager, a player, or in this case, Dave Jackson, a decorated referee, to actually doing TV, getting his message across. And as he talked about, you know, having to deal with all the nonsense that goes into being on TV. What a storyteller, man. He's terrific. He really is. I mean, those two stories he told, I'm sure he's got another 50 that he could easily put in the queue that we would just be thoroughly entertained by. Mm -hmm. um, I, I will say on the air, you know, he said all oh, was, you know, big learning curve and he had to learn to tell his rules interpretation much quicker. Well, that took him about three calls. Right. Like I'm telling you, he does it so well. And what, what had to happen is we had to learn how we can get it to him fast enough instead of me and the play-by-play -play person babbling away. We're taking up his time. We need yeah. him on. And he does it. I think he does a great job and he's got a great sense of humor and he is a storyteller. There, like he could tell like that, that Gretzky story. When he talks about looking in the glass and hoping that Gretzky's following him, mm. I never even thought, well, of course he would be. Yeah. Like, just yeah. please get in the box and, and don't make this worse, right? That's, yeah, yeah. I thought it was great. It was, a, it was a great chat. Really glad he came on. One of those guests, Ray, and, and we'll get on here, but one of those guests that you have to have back, right? Because, you know, we just skimmed the surface with two great stories. So if we do, if we do, some sort of summer thing during our much-needed summer hiatus. Dave Jackson's got to be near the top. He's, of the a, he's on the list. He's on the call list, for sure. Chris Abbott, not able to join us. He's a, he's a busy Batano executive, right? Yeah. So we're going to uh, muscle through the segment. Batano, remember, fully available in Ontario. And according to Batano, the game starts now. Some interesting prop bets, and all kinds of stuff on Botano.ca. And in Chris's absence, Ray, I thought we would talk about, or revisit, because we've talked about some of the major awards Did as it? well, right, um, in the past, and, and what some of those odds look like. So Rob Gray was kind enough to forward us a couple of things, the heart and the Calder. And right now, surprising to no one, Connor McDavid as, is listed as the heart favorite at minus 1,000. I shouldn't be surprised, but Jack Hughes is like plus 3,400. David Pasternak plus 1,900. I don't know. I mean, where do you want to go? Kucherov at plus 4,900. I mean, nobody's touching Connor McDavid at this stage, are they? No, I mean, the, the odds all look great until you actually have to put your own real money on it. Yeah. Because it just kind of feels like you're throwing it out in the street uh -huh. uh, in this case. It just, it just feels like there's, 
well, not feels like there is no way. And I can't even think of a scenario where McDavid doesn't win. Mm. Yeah, I, Although, I mean, you always read about those guys that right take the shortest odds and they're like, and somebody just gets burned on a football game that just collapses on top of them. Right. Now, there'd be no reason, in your opinion, it would be wasteful, and nobody wants to waste money, in throwing some change at, say, Andre Vasilevsky at plus 29,900. No, again, it sounds great. <laughs> you know, like, it's almost like when you read about somebody that hits big on a stock and you're like, yeah, oh, I should have yeah. done that. Do you know who I read about yesterday? Speaking of this was Ed Norton, the <laughs> actor. Yeah. So he put $3 million into Uber oh, when it started. Boy. How's that paid out for him? Yeah, they said at $42 a share of $342 million. That seems like a good payday. All right, let's let's do the Calder, okay? Rookie of the year. Again, no surprise, Matty Beneers of the Seattle Kraken is minus 222. And then you got Mason McTavish in Anaheim at plus 900. I'm going to throw a surprise name at you. Feel bad for this kid. I love him. Great family. Cole Perfetti of the Winnipeg Jets. It, plus 1,100. He's hurt now again, the poor kid, but plus 1,100. But again, you know, we're looking at Matty Beneers in Seattle, and that's about it, right? Well, he, he sure feels like he's, he, I wouldn't say he's lapped the field, but it feels like he's, you know, he's enough in front. What if, what if Stu Skinner goes on a heater right down to the end? of the season. Like, like he's, he's the next one on that list. There you and I'm like, he might be the only one, but it, it just, it feels like Baneers is enough in front that any little sidestep he has is going to be okay. Like he's, you know, he just, it's, it's hard. It's hard to really put into context how important he's been to a surprise team this year. Right. Because he's been terrific. So you've got Owen Power actually at plus 1400 and then Stu Skinner at plus 1900. But that's an interesting list, and we'll see how it forms out moving forward. All right, Chris Abbott will be back joining us here on the podcast on Tuesday. Again, a presentation of Batano.ca. What's the weekend for Ray Ferrero looking like here? Well, here's here's the goal. Mm-hmm. The goal is, with all the weather issues that we have, I'm leaving tonight, Thursday night, on the red eye to get to Washington for Rangers Caps on Saturday afternoon. However, I'm hoping all the flights connect and I get there. Yeah. Otherwise, I'm just going to go fly around for the weekend. It's one of the two. Normally, see, this is the more Zen Ray Ferraro because three, four, five years ago, that would have stressed you out. You'd have been, you would have been bothered by all of this. I'm going to ask you right now, you know, you're, you know, you've, you've cleaned your driveway. Partially. Yeah. You've cleaned or you've helped the neighbors. Yeah. Any chance to get note to Pearson so you could make sure the <laughs> runway tonight is just cleaned when I land? Is, you, you got any anything to do with that? No, 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 but I haven't checked on Twitter. Normally, we have pictures of all the shenanigans and nonsense at Pearson. By now, it's it's like a habit. It's like a, a part-time yeah. what's job. The, what's the weather problem. like there? The early Drager weather report. Yeah, Thursday it's not morning. too bad, but it's not looking good. You know what? I think there's freezing rain. That's what I read about. That's no good. No good. It's no good because, again, I don't know, you know, Pearson is 45 minutes from me. It's on the west side. So I'm assuming they got a similar amount of snow. It's not the snow. It's the freezing rain. So here's hoping that uh, your travels are good. That's the goal. What about you? What about you? What do we got? We got that Leaf game on Friday. So looking forward to that. 
Toronto and Minnesota Wild. Not much on Saturday, but we're on full on-call watch here, right? Yeah, yeah. You know, for, for any trade that, that comes along. At some point, you know, I don't know if you can tell or not, but so my hairdresser went down with COVID this week. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, and my hair goes from like just okay to long in like, it's like a chia pet, right? It's okay. like within well, a day. Drakes do not Oof. complain. No, my hair no. goes from nothing to nothing in like no time. <laughs> Well, I'm hoping that, again, given the time away, that Laura is no longer symptomatic and can cut my hair. You, like you need, so you need a trim for the, 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 the deadline. That's what you're worried about, aren't you? Oh, boy. Yeah. All right, buddy. Well, travel safe. Thank um, you much. Keep and us we'll, posted. Uh, I will. And hopefully we get in and out of there, into Washington, do the game, and then back home yeah. for Sunday. So have a good weekend, everyone. Thanks for yep. listening. and. We'll chat soon. Huge shout out to our partners, Ray, who make this podcast possible twice per week. Our title sponsors, Canadian Club Whiskey, who ask, are you over beer? Batano.ca, now available in Ontario. The game starts now, says Batano. And by Doer, use code RNDPANTS, and you will save 15% off everything at Doer.ca. That is episode 43 of the Randregs Hockey Podcast. Until Tuesday, stay safe, travel safe, everybody. 